All right. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Colossians 3 this morning. Um, interesting. So about two months ago, sometimes I'll do a, a Mother's Day sermon or a Father's Day sermon, and sometimes I won't. I'll, same thing at Christmas time. Sometimes I'll do an Advent series. Sometimes I'll stay in wherever we are. A couple of months ago, I had already decided that I'm just going to stay in the text because I want to I get through Colossians. And I think it's important for us to do that. Now, I don't plan things out, as you know, as far ahead as some pastors. Uh, my father-in-law, who's going to be here in a couple of weeks, he literally plans his sermons out a year in advance. I'm impressed with that, but I've never done that. Uh, and I, I intend to take paragraphs at a time and preach through that. And as you all know, that doesn't always happen. This is another case. We're going to take three weeks to get through just the next few, actually four weeks, to get through the next few verses. Um, so all of that as preface to say, I had no idea in my planning that this was going to be the text for Mother's Day. This is not a Mother's Day sermon, but I think it does apply. Um, so I want to talk to you today about the new you at home. Because remember, Paul talks about the old you and the what? The new you. And the old you is who you were before Christ, who some of you still are now. And the new you is who you are after Christ. And, and there's some things about the old you that need to be put to death and other things that need to be taken off and then some new characteristics that are to be put on. Um, and so we're going to walk through what that looks like specifically for wives today. And again, I find it interesting and odd and God's hand that, that this is where we land on Mother's Day. That was not my plan but I trust that it was God's plan. So would you join me in praying before we read the scripture beginning in verse 12 of Colossians 3. Father, we come to you today thanking you uh, again for the ladies in our lives that you've put there, um, thanking you for your covenant of marriage and how precious and sacred it is and how foolish we are when we, when we go around that great security of that covenant in our relationships. I pray that you would do what only you can do with this truth today. I know that you will meet every one of us right where we are. And that even in a, in, a, in a teaching about wives and their relationships to their husbands, even in that, that you can use that to call and to draw those who are not your children to become your children through repentance and faith and following Christ. I pray that you would uh, really guard my mouth today. Um, that nothing would be said flippantly or inappropriately in any sense, but that we would gravely take your word and radically apply it to our lives, uh, trusting that you're God and we're not and that you know what you're doing and everything you've commanded us is for our benefit and gain. And may that be the mindset of our lives in Christ's name. Amen. All right. You all seem tentative today. <laughs> it's like, what is he doing? Well, join me in the scripture, would you? Are you there? Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I'm giving to 12 because I want to give some context to what we're going to say. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, and here's the list of things, the characteristics that should mark our lives now as we practice these. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And what's that? And doing what, church? Forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. 
As I said a few weeks ago, I'm pretty sure that was Paul's explanation of how to be long-suffering, is to be a fast forgiver. All right, verse 14, to complete the outfit, Paul says, but above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection or completion. Love completes the outfit of these beautiful characteristics that we wear that look like Jesus. Love ties it all together. Now, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now I want you to pay attention to verse 17. Whatever you do, however you live your life, in the everyday ins and outs of your relationships, he says, you need to make sure that your living, your lifestyle is done in the name of the Lord Jesus and that it, it exudes thankfulness to God. In other words, how does what I am doing, my everyday life, my relationships, how are they done in the name of the Lord? What does that look like? Paul never leaves that to your imagination. Instead, he says, let me show you what I mean. Let me show you what it looks like to put on these characteristics of the new you and then to practice them in your everyday relationships. You track him with what he's saying? Don't miss the contextual strings. Because what's about, what he's about to see, he's about to say, let me show you what this looks like at home. Let me show you what the new you looks like in your closest human relationships. And then he's going to get in the second closest human relationship, which he calls slaves and masters. And uh, we'll get into that. Actually, Jay's going to get into that. I gave that hard section to Jay Lortzen to preach <laughs> at the end of the month. But uh, we will get into that. But the idea that we would, we would in contemporary culture, consider more uh, employers and employees. Because even that type of slavery that he's talking about there was, was um, bond servant or indebted servitude. Um, and and that, that had a lot more choice. It was not chattel slavery that we think of when it comes to American history, which is always an evil. So all of that being said, here's what it looks like to allow the word of God, of Christ, to be at home in your heart richly. Right? And to walk out wisdom with these characteristics. And he starts with this. Interesting where he starts. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, you see these relationships? Husband or wife, husband and children. By the way, the order is important. Wives, husbands, now it's children's. Wives submit, husbands love, children obey. And all the children said? Hmm. Parents, are you impressed? <laughs> ben, I might have you come up here and read this section for me. Would you do that for me? <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. He said, nope. <laughs> See, you're not obeying. You're already breaking this rule. 
children, which you're going to have a child much longer, obey your parents in all things. Now, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And now, look at this. Now he's going he's to jump backwards. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So I'm just going to deal with verse 18 today, which says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. What a Mother's Day sermon, huh? <laughs> now, remember what I said in my disclosure. I had planned to stay in Colossians wherever we were. No, never did I dream this would be the verse for today, right? And, and I was, my wife will tell you, I even talked to her earlier in the week. I said, should I just change my plans, you know? I, I, got, I can do a Mother's Day sermon. I wasn't leaning that way, but I wanted to get her input. And, you know, and we came that close. Let's just stay where you are, and let's just trust God for it. Then I got to thinking, as I was really getting nervous as the day got closer, what better Mother Day gift if, if every wife in this church let the word of Christ dwell in them so richly that they voluntarily and joyfully cooperated with their husband's leadership would not your children rise up and call you blessed why is it so quiet in here and that's the funny thing about this word and this verse um wives submit yourselves to your husband i thought we would start a 20-part series on just this verse the most important one in the bible <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no pastor wants to preach this and yet it's in the Word of God. And I want to say something there, too, and then I promise you we're going to jump in this text. That is the beauty of preaching through entire letters and books of the Bible. And I want to tell you something. There's stuff in here. If I'm preaching topically and whatever I feel like preaching, you're never hearing this sermon. Why? Because it's, it's messy. It's not popular today. And it could get everybody in trouble. But it's glorious and we need it. But I wouldn't choose to preach this. I didn't even choose to preach this. It's where we landed today. I'm trusting God's spirit. So let me ask you a question. What's the problem? I mean, I can, I can feel it in this room today. Normally we're like, yeah, let's get into the word. And now it's like everybody's back there saying, what is he going to say about this? <laughs> we have a problem with this in our society today. And I, wanted to, I just want to make this super clear, okay? The problem is not the command of wives to submit. The problem is a culture who hates God. We have a more sure word right here in front of us today. And I'm going to tell you, anchor your actions on this word and not on a shifting sand of a culture who hates God. A captain of a ship on a dark night, who noticed a light off in the distance on the bow of his ship, and he ordered for a radio transmission to be sent to the unknown vessel. He said, adjust your course 10 degrees to the south. A response came back, negative. You must adjust your course 10 degrees due north. The captain, not happy uh, with this response, sent another message. Unknown vessel, I repeat, adjust your course 10 degrees to the south. This is the captain speaking. The reply came back, negative. You must adjust your course 10 degrees due north. This is Petty Officer 3rd Class. The captain, now even more disturbed, <laughs> sent back 
Another message, unknown vessel. This is the captain of the United States battleship. I command you this last time, adjust your course 10 degrees to the south or you will be fired upon. Last warning. There was a bit of a hesitation with a petty officer's response. And then the radio silence broke through and a final transmission came through. Captain, sir, this is a lighthouse. Brothers and sisters, wives in this room today, this is the lighthouse. You adjust your course. Or you will dash your marriage and your life upon the rocks of the world's greatest wisdom and most deadly deception. And I can tell you with sadness in my heart how many women, couples, my wife and I have counseled the book of Proverbs says there is a woman who tears down her house with her own hands. And we've watched it, haven't we? We have begged these women to adjust their lives to the lighthouse. And instead, they dash their lives upon their own wisdom, ruin their marriages, children, disaster. So this is not a joke. It's not something to be taken flippantly or lightly. But it's a command of God. He said, this is what it looks like, ladies, to let the word of Christ richly dwell in you in all wisdom. How wise is it to adjust our course, the course of our life, the course of our everyday relationships to the standard of God's word. And ladies, this is not here to make you second-class citizens, you are daughters of the king. And this is not something that the king does to you. It's something he does for you. And I hope to unpack that with a little bit of grace today. So there's, there's, there's something in, in interpretation of scripture called the, the historical grammatical interpretation of scripture. So you look at the historical context, and then you look at the grammar. So let me start with the grammar of this word submission. And it says very clearly there, some of you have other translations, um, but it says wives submit to your own husband. Some translations say be subject to your own husband. But up there on the screen is the Greek word for it. And that is the word hupotasso. And hupo, um, think about that. If, if you have hypotension, not hyper, but hypo, it means low or under. Hupo means under, tasso means to arrange. So literally, this word submit means to arrange under in an order for a specific outcome. How many of you in this room spent time in the military? Raise your hand. Military? I, yeah, I know Mark and I were talking the other day. Uh, Jerry, my brother-in-law, military. So when you come in the military, do you come in as a colonel? <laughs> Not so much, huh? Did you have a colonel? Yes, you did. Who was your, Jerry, who was your, now you come in, I'm assuming, unless you come in as an officer, you come in and, and uh, what do they call you when you come in? Airmen. So he was in the Air Force. So you're an airman. So who's the next person right above you in line that's higher ranked than you? Senior airman. Then you get up to captain, lieutenant. I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't in the military. All the way on up to admiral. I had a, a buddy that was in the Navy for a long time and. Um, and retired, and he told me a, 
about a guy. He read this about a guy that was in the Navy and retired. And he, and he, he was a lifer in the Navy. He got out and just was bored out of his mind. So he went to work at Walmart as a greeter. And the only thing is he never got there on time. He was always two to three minutes to five minutes late. And, and so finally the young manager calls him in the office and says, Mike, you know, I appreciate your service. Uh, I know you're in the military, but you're never here on time. I mean, what, what did the people say to you in the military when you got to your office five minutes late? And he said, well, truthfully, they usually said, good morning, Admiral. Can I bring you a cup of coffee? <laughs> True story. <laughs> why, why is there an Admiral and, 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 a, and a seaman? Why? Why that rank? Because the Navy has a mission. And there has to be order in order for that mission to happen. Now, it doesn't mean that the seaman is necessarily uh, uh, less skilled than the admiral. Uh, some of those seamen, some of those airmen, some of those, some of those privates uh, might be physically stronger. They might have a higher IQ. But that's not the issue. They voluntarily submit to an order in order for the outcome of that mission to be a reality. And so this idea of... Um, Submitting here, wives submitting, is, is literally to voluntarily come under a specific God-ordained order. And we adjust our lives to God's word, not God's word to our lives. And we trust God for those outcomes. Because God's got something he wants to get out of your life, and it's called glory. And God says, the way I get glory, the way the new you gets unpacked in your everyday life, ladies who are married, only ladies who are married, by the way, that's, you're not a wife if you're not a lady. You're not a wife if you're not married. <laughs> okay? And I thought about this, too, as I was getting this together. I thought, really, Mother's Day, God? This is where you put me? There's ladies here who aren't married because you're widowed. We got a lot of those in this church. There's some ladies who are married but are separated. Some of those I encourage that to happen because of what was going on in the home or a, a, a biblical separation there's some ladies here who are not married yet and never have been i hope to be one day all of us need to hear this you ladies that are widows you need to hear this because you need to encourage those ladies who aren't widows and are still married or are getting married or going to be married or are struggling in, in a bad marriage we all need the word of god this word is sure a sure word of prophecy and it is profitable for us today a couple of quick things um, here's what's often said about this idea of submission of a wife submitting voluntarily coming up under the authority of her husband or the headship of her husband is they often go back to culture they say well you know when Paul said that in the first century that was it was all a cultural thing and we've evolved from then. So if the Bible was written today, it would never say wives submit to your husbands. Well, let's look at that. And let's be honest about that. And I want to talk to you for a second about creation's order on the next slide. Creation's order. Um, I think history debunks this. This wasn't a first century issue. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It is the, the order in which God created humanity that determines who goes where. 
in the order of peace and production in the household. Look at, uh, just jot this down, 1 Corinthians 11.3. I think it'll come up there. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is who, church? Christ. And the head of every woman is who? Man. And the head of Christ is who? God. So we're seeing this, that is all submission. It's headship and someone who is underneath that head. So every man is under Christ. Every woman, and he's talking in the context of marriage here, is under her husband or a man. And even Christ is submissive in submission to the Father and will be eternally so. And he is equal. We see that in Philippians 2, right? He had every, he had every equality with God, but he didn't use it to be sinful. He used it to submit to the Father. So we see that there right in the outset of the scriptures historically. Uh, we continue, verse 8 of the same chapter. It says, for man is not from woman, but woman is from who? Man, so who all right. And, and then in verse 9, nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. Now look right there. This is, this is just, I'm giving you the lighthouse today. And I'm going to urge you, men and women, to adjust your course to the lighthouse because it, it will stand forever. It's interesting what he says. Who came first in human history, church? Adam. Adam. And how, Ben, how did God make Adam? Out of what? What did God form Adam out of? The dust, yeah, the, the ground, right? You ever stop and think about it? He could have formed Eve that way. He could have just as easily formed Eve out of the dirt, but he doesn't. He only forms one man out of the dirt one person and that's Adam of course we know that Eve comes from a, a, his side his rib um, and it says in there man originally did not come from woman but instead woman came out of man that's actually what the word woman means out of man woe man out of the man Adam realized that he woke up there was a piece of him missing and she and God had formed a whole completer a helper for him and verse 9 is interesting. He said the man, the man uh, was not created for the woman. God didn't make Adam for Eve. Look, this is just what it says. But what? He made Eve for who? Adam. He made woman for man. Man was not made for woman. The woman was made for the man. I remember years ago when I was a young pastor talking with uh, Elsie Boyd in the nursing home. She was one of my nursing home residents. And we were talking with Elsie from Bangor, Maine. And we had this discussion, there were a couple other ladies in the little group, and we had this discussion about the fact that men die usually before the women. And Elsie said, that's a grace of God. I said, how so? He said, she said, because a woman comes out of the womb serving. She's serving her mom and her dad and her siblings. He, she says, this was Elsie's take, a man comes out of the womb being served. And when his wife dies and there's no one left to serve him, he's not long behind. It's a hard road for that guy. But for us ladies, we can handle that. We know what it's like. We know how to take care of ourselves. I thought that was interesting. What she was, she was in, a, in a strange way, in her main way, she was, stayed a main way, she was, ex, she was sharing her experience of what this means. That, that um, the man wasn't created for the woman, but the woman was created for the man. 
Also, the facts of the fall enter into this. And this is a verse that has, has fascinated me for many years. It's in 1 Timothy 2, verses 13 to 14, if you want to jot that down. The facts of the fall. I think that's a screen. Um, here's what it says in 1 Timothy 2, 13 and 14. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. So who came first? Adam and then Eve. Now notice this. This is interesting. And Adam was not what, church? But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. That's going back to the actual fall. What's it saying? Adam was with her the whole time. The whole time Adam's there. And the Bible says through progressive revelation, you don't get, it amazes me, you don't see this anywhere in the Old Testament. It's not, it's not till we get to Paul's letter to Timothy, the pastoral epistle of Timothy, that God says, oh yeah, by the way, you might should know this. <laughs> it's just amazing. Adam wasn't fooled that whole time. Adam knew the score. Eve was the one that was tricked. Satan deceived her, but not Adam. And because of that, Adam has the greater sin. She was at least tricked into thinking this was going to help her relationship with God. Adam knew better, and he sinned with his eyes wide open. But out of that fall, we even see the reason, the logic behind God. Now, that doesn't mean that women are foolish, that women aren't um, as smart or logical as men. You know, how many of you ever heard the term that I married up? You ever hear that? I mean, I, did. I married a valedictorian of our college class. So it's not saying that at all. It's just saying there's an order. And there's a reason there's an order. Man came first. God made the woman for the man to complete him. And Adam wasn't deceived. He, he, he knew exactly what was going on. Eve was tricked. Here's the reality of submission is the next one. And, and we're going to go to Ephesians 5 for this. Uh, and I'm going to keep this very scriptural and biblical. But let me read to you, same guy, Paul, different context. In the Colossian context, he said, this is what it looks like to put on the new you and to walk out uh, the, the word of Christ being at home in your, in your home as a wife. In Ephesians, it's a little bit different. Paul is taking a doctrinal look at this submission. So in Ephesians 5.20, it says this, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now I want to stop right there. There's a lot of bad doctrine out there. The Christian bookstore is full of a lot of garbage books that are super popular that take this whole thing of submission and they say, see, it's not just the wife submitting to the husband. The Bible says right there the husband's supposed to submit to the wife. Submitting to one another. And it does say that, doesn't it? Submitting to one another in the fear of God. There's a complete ignoring of the contextual reality of this verse. Paul then, just like he's done in Colossians, Paul then unpacks that and says, let me show you what that looks like for each of your roles. So for the role of a wife, here's what it looks like. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Here's what mutual submission looks like for the husband. Verse 23, for the husband is ahead of the wife. So also Christ is ahead of the church as he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Do you see that? In everything. 
So what we like to say is we like to give an out there. Say, well, you know, the scripture says that, you know, we're supposed to submit to each other. Paul says, no, let me show you what that looks like. Wives, mutual submission looks like this. Wives, you submit to your husbands. And the husbands are submitting to who? To Christ. And if, and if we're going to make that hard statement that it, that it goes both ways, then you could turn that around and say that Christ is a, Christ sub, or the church is to submit to Christ, but Christ is also to submit to the church. That is what it says. Not in the least. It says, no, this is the biblical doctrine of headship. Christ is the head. We submit to him. The husband's the head of the family. Wives submit to husbands. So real quick, let me show you four characteristics of what it means, what this subject or submission is. First thing is it's voluntary. That's super important to understand. No one's holding a gun to your head. But God's saying, look, you need to voluntarily come under the authority and the leadership and the headship of your husband. It's interesting. This won't impress many people, but I find it fascinating. It's the, the verb there, hupotasso, is actually in what's called the middle voice. And it means that the subject of the verb is affected by its own action or is acting on itself. In other words, it says, wives, submit yourselves. You are the one doing the submitting here. Um, even in 1 Peter 3.1, it says, again, even if your husband is not walking faithfully with God. And I think this is the biggest distinction between a wife's relationship to a husband and as we will see in a few weeks, a child's relationship to a parent. Now with a child, a child is commanded to be obedient, but a wife is commanded to, on her own behalf, because of her love for Christ, be willfully and willingly uh, subject to her husband's leadership. So it's voluntary. But here's a reality. It's also commanded. Is it not there? And it's not just here. It, it's all of us in 1 Timothy. It's in Peter. Uh, it's in Ephesians. It's all, it's all over. It's in the Old Testament. By the way, people like to say that submission came as a result of the fall. No. If the fall never happened, Adam still would have been created first and been the head, had headship over Eve. The fall did not create submission. It made it harder. Does that make sense? Fall didn't create it. It just made it harder. That's what it means there. The, this submission was always God's order and his plan. So it's commanded by God. And by the way, if it's commanded by God, listen to me. Please hear me, ladies. And men, too. If it's commanded by God, it's for your benefit and blessing and flourishing. Y'all hear that? God is not telling you to do something that's going to ruin your life. No, he's telling you that in order to... to to enhance your life and to redeem it. It's also continuous. It's a lifestyle. And it's to be done for the benefit of the family. She was a, a help meet, a helper, perfectly fit for him. Um, a couple quick things. First of all, the, um, it's wives submitting to who? Husbands, not every man. You submit to your husband, not to all men. Super important to understand that. Has this doctrine been abused in the past? Yeah. Absolutely. But the abuse and the perversion of this doctrine is not a reason to reject it. 
Amen? So, I'm telling you, I've preached 20 plus years in this church, and every time, the few times I've preached on this, it is so, you can cut the tension in here with a knife. <laughs> and it's kind of humorous, but it's because it's such a touchy subject, and it's because our culture is so messed up, especially right now in this area. So I, this last slide I've put in here, submission, YBH, which stands for what church? Yeah, about how, in the real world. So I could stand up here and tell you a couple of stories, and you would say, yeah, okay. But instead, I'm going to do something different today. And I'm going to invite my wife to come up, and we're going to have a little conversation. We've had this conversation already. But I want to have this conversation with Elizabeth in front of you and show you what this looks like in the real world. And I know this is a little different, but bear with me. I think it will be beneficial to all of us to hear this. i got to move this pulpit. Can I give you that? Mm-hmm. I think I'll move those flowers. <laughs> Bible in case I need to use it here in a minute. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, so we are coming up on uh, June 18th. Is 33 years? Yes. 33 years married. 32 of them wedded bliss. First one, not so much. Uh, that was a tough year. And uh, I've admitted to you, and I try to do that regularly, I don't, I don't let you all put me on a, on a pedestal. I jump off of that as quick as I can. You, we're, we're just alike. And I'm a, I, I have a flesh, and I battle that. But all that being said, coming up on 33 years, we've learned some things together. And we, we had this, this discussion on this whole topic this week. And it was so good in our living room. I don't know if it would be half as good here, but it was great there. Um, and it, was, it was so encouraged me and helped me to see this a little more clearly from my wife's perspective. I thought, well, let me let, let you hear from her. So why do you think this thing of submission is such a such a, a, a word that we choke on, maybe women more than men. What, what is it about that word that makes us just tense up? It's very tense in here, by the way. And even more <laughs> no, so since not. you came up it's here. it's not tense in here. <laughs> maybe it's me. Yeah, I think it is you. I do. This is, this is a scary <laughs> subject. I think submission is such a, um, what was the word you used? Touchy subject? Touchy subject. Because number one, we're all, we're all flesh, and we all like to be in charge of ourselves and not be, have anybody tell us what to do. And number two is because it's in the Bible and that the culture has taken it and has twisted it into something perverted. And there are Christian couples who, under the guise of submission, have been very abusive. So it is touchy. Yeah. So what is it? In your personal we're living out this almost 33 years together what define submission for how you try to live that out me sitting up here with a microphone in my hand true she did not want to do this <laughs> that is an example of some I, that's you're so good see i told you she's smarter than me i would never thought of that <laughs> that is that's submission yes, it is and i did i demand you to do absolutely that absolutely not and no. i could have said no i don't want to do it and he'd have been fine with that mm-hmm. 
And so that's the other side, fellas, and don't think you're getting off the hook because your turn's next week. I'll talk about what it looks like to love our wives uh, as Christ loved the church. Um, so what does it mean to submit to your own husbands? Um, I want to get, get it right as to the Lord or as is fitting in the Lord. How, do, how is submitting to me um, submitting to God? Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Not that I'm God, but how, how is it that submitting to me is, is letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Beca- because, that well, that's the order God put us in. God and then husbands and then wives. And if I'm going to circumvent you, I'm not going to get to God. Mm. Like Eve tried to out do. this way, yes. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. good. That's really good. So, yeah, I could see that in the garden story, too, of, of the fall. She circumvented Adam to get mm-hmm. to God, and the whole thing fell. Mm-hmm. But only because of Adam, because he went along with it. Mm-hmm. So he was the stopgap measure that he was the one mm-hmm. who caused that true sin. Um, what is submission not? Have you ever disagreed with me? Absolutely. Yeah. What is it not? It's not fighting. It's not saying, yeah. I'll do it, but I don't really agree with it, and I'm going to have a bad attitude the whole time. Not submission. How do you get there, though? When something you feel strongly about? A lot that, of prayer. Really? <laughs> really. Really. A lot of being in the word and letting it saturate you and your decisions that you make and a lot of grace of God. Now, correct me if I I'm will. wrong. Because yeah. <laughs> truly, her memory is so much better than mine. I know, it, in the way I look at our history together, I don't see a whole, like, a whole bunch of arguing uh, uh, mm. over, like, big things Mm-mm. where, where we, we just totally disagreed and we, we weren't coming together. I can think of a couple. Do you have an example of, of something that might have been like that? Sure. When we were first started out homeschooling, I read about this amazing homeschooling method. It was called unschooling. Basically, let your kids figure out what they were interested in and then go for it. And I thought it sounded great. I was tired. I was pregnant. I wanted something easy. You were always pregnant. It seems like it. (laughs) So I I asked him about it. And he said, "Eh, I don't know. That doesn't sound right to me. And I, tr- I tried to plead my case and tell him all the benefits of it. And he, he wasn't moving. He said, I really don't think that that will work, especially with our kids. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I just graduated college with a degree in education. I've taught school before. I have a year of homeschooling under my belt. We're going to do it. And we did it. And I don't know if he knew it or not. I don't even remember any of this. <laughs> Literally. When she told me this, I'm like, you got to be kidding. So, no. So, I don't we did it. it. And my kids' only interests were watching cartoons. Because so. I'm <laughs> their was, father. It was well. not a good year. And it's funny, but it wasn't funny because it impacted them. It impacted my kids for several years yeah. to come. Paul still watches cartoons on Saturday morning. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you get past that? Uh, Asking forgiveness. What about the reverse? Have you had, you have a positive Mm -hmm. story in that? Mm -hmm. When um, 
me think now. When Anna got married. Yeah, I'm always Anna fuzzy on the details. When Anna and Paul got married, right. it left a, a vac vacant room in our house, which was rare, a, a commodity. So I thought Ellie should get that room. Ellie was going into 10th grade, maybe. So her and Emma were the only girls at home. And Emma was three. And Ellie was 15. And I thought, hmm, let's give her this empty room. And then Emma can have her own room. Ellie can have her own room. And Ellie was feeling bad because she was the only teenager left at home. All the rest were little kids. And I thought, that makes perfect sense until I talked to him. And he said, I don't think that's a good idea. And we talked it out, and I said, you know, I'm not sure I 100% agree with you, but I, I will go along with you, and I will back you up to Ellie. It was like two weeks we talked about yes, this we back, did. and we didn't fight about it. No. And, and the backside of that story is that room, my plan for that room was to give it to her, to Elizabeth, for a sewing room, um, oh, a school room, too, mm -hmm. to put all the school books mm -hmm. in. I had, I had a plan for that room. And then I just really felt strongly that Ellie and Emma needed to be together, even though it was a weird age thing. So continue your story. So I agreed, and we talked to Ellie, and I backed him up, and she was very upset. But Ooh, we, she was mad. <laughs> we, uh, we did it, and the result of that is that Ellie and Emma yeah. formed such a tight bond with each other that they would not have had if they'd have separate rooms. And Ellie needed to share a room. She did not need her own room. She was um, a very hard teenager to live with, and her living with Emma taught her something she wouldn't have learned yeah. in a room by herself. And now years later, well, not years later, just a little bit later, I could see the wisdom in that mm. that I couldn't see at the time. And the backside of that story is I didn't, so unless you think that I had all this insight, I just want to give her the room. That's all it was about to me. That seriously, that's simple. I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't. This is terrible. I didn't really care about the other stuff, as Ellie was so hard. I'm like, you know, whatever's hard for her is good for me. <laughs> Turnabout, I know she's watching. Turnabout's fair play. How do you like it? So I didn't actually have a great attitude about it, but I just really knew in my heart I wanted her to have that room. Um, and so that was my side of it. And again, we, we, I, we don't have a lot of those stories where Not we really, really no. disagree. And, no. and I had to make a decision. Um, Sometimes when you hear the word submission, you think that it's a, like a daily occurrence, a, a several times daily occurrence. Right. But in reality, it's very rare in a, in a couple that both are seeking the Lord. Now, it may be different in different couples where one is not seeking the Lord and one is. But I think God intended for it to be a rare thing. I don't think he meant it yeah. to be a, a all the time. Okay, one more thing and then we'll, we'll wrap up. What, speak to that wife out there whose husband's probably not even a Christian, not even a follower of Christ, doesn't care, and runs all over her. Mm. Uh, what, <laughs> what does that look like? How that, do you- That's how do you, hard. It is hard, but what, what's that woman supposed to do? I know I'm talking about abuse, abuse okay. because we've dealt with that mm -hmm. and I've encouraged, you know, exiting that relationship mm -hmm. and separation. 
the Bible does not give <clears throat> reasons to not submit. Mm. The Bible does not say submit if your husband is following hard after me. The Bible says, the Bible does not say only submit if your husband is a kind, patient man. The Bible says wives submit to your husbands. Yeah. And it's hard. It is. But that's how the word of Christ goes. Yes. And in First Peter, he talks about that, un that unbelieving husband can be one yes. without a word. Yes. By the actions of a wife. Now that doesn't mean that that always happens that right. way. Right. Right. And if a wife is not submitting, there is no peace in the home. That's true. My and, mom always used yeah. to say anything with two heads is a monster. Mm -hmm. And you have a monstrous home. And, mm -hmm. and you and I read that article that mm -hmm. my friend sent me, sent us both actually yes. this week. And it's really well written. And it was crafty. Mm -hmm. And it basically said that this whole teaching of biblical submission is abuse. Mm -hmm. And that it just elevates men and it's just a tool to, to subjugate women. And without waiting, putting any weight on the pedal, I sent that to her. I said, read this and let's talk. And, and we had the same mm -hmm. takeaway from that. That there were a lot of straw man fallacies in there and it painted all men with a broad brush. Mm -hmm. Because we looked at our experience, and it's only been a handful of things, and mm -hmm. thank God they're rare. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, I give you the credit. Um, I think your part's the hard part, and my, my part's fit for me. Mm -hmm. um, and when we do our parts, we trust exactly. God for the difference. And if I try to do your part, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. And when I try to do your yes. part, it's a disaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it, it really goes both ways. So I think God knew what he was talking about. He really, he really does, doesn't he? And, mm -hmm. and, and in the hard marriages, and in the hard mm -hmm. passages of marriage, and in the parts that are great, mm -hmm. both of those seasons, God knows what he's doing. And this is his gift. And I, and I want to say something here, and, I, and I'm, I'm assuming you'll agree with me. It says wives, right? That verse, fellows, is not for you. Mm -hmm. That's not directed at you. You don't need to go home and preach this verse to your wife. You need to preach the next verse to yourself. Mm -hmm. You got a verse that starts that says husbands, that's you. We're gonna get to that next week. So just, you know, listen, she knows. She's probably smarter than you. She knows what it says. You don't even need to remind her of that. Let the Holy Spirit do that. And you, and you love her. Um, and, and your submission is not conditioned upon my love. And my love for you is not conditioned on your submission to me. It doesn't work like that. You got your part, I got mine. And when we do those in subjection to the Holy Spirit, beautiful things happen. When we don't, disasters happen. Mm. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. All right, good. Well, thank you so much for submitting. Give me a hand. All right, well, well, thank you, Beth. I appreciate that. What a great answer. Submitting looks like coming up here and doing that. It's true. I, I, never, I would have never thought of that, but it's, it's so true. So, so this thing is not a curse. It's not to make your life miserable, it's to give you life. It's to enhance what God has given. Right? I wish I had time to, to say a few more things, I really don't. But marriage is important, folks. I was talking with a, a young brother this week. Why sex outside of marriage is a bad idea. It's playing house. If you aren't married, that is not designed to be enjoyed, it cannot be fully enjoyed without dis disastrous side effects unless it's inside the covenant of something stronger than itself. Right? I use that example with that 
with that shotgun a few weeks ago. But that shell inside of a shotgun, the steel around it is stronger than the blast inside of it. And as a result, it's used as a tool. You discharge that shell outside of that shotgun, everybody gets hurt. It's the same thing. God knows what he's doing. We need to trust him in it. Amen? Would you stand with me? Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for my wife. Um, <laughs> we, Beth and I both know that I'm, I'm an extremely flawed and perfect man. Um, and a few times things work out right, it's all you. But Lord, I thank you that she's willing to come up and answer some of my questions. And instead of me doing that, they get to hear from one of your, your daughters who has learned over the years how to live this out, what it looks like, what happens when you don't. May this be an encouragement. I pray for those sisters among us today whose husbands are gone to the other side of the veil. It's a hard day, I know, for them. I thank you for their example. I, I pray that you would give them boldness to hold the rest of us accountable. I pray for those sisters today who are married to hard men who in no way exemplify the next verse. And I pray that you would comfort them as only you can and strengthen them to let the word of Christ dwell in them richly. And I pray that we would encourage one another that these Titus two women would come alongside these young women and encourage them in the faith. I thank you for my sister Beverly here today who was a living example before church to me. As her husband said, you need to wear your mask in church. And she said, I'm going to keep it on. I said, you're exactly right to do so. She gave me an example of this beautiful submission to her husband. Thank you for people like Beverly, Elizabeth, and my mom, who have walked this out, showed us what this looks like with skin on. Help us to do each of our own parts. Wives voluntarily coming under your, your order from creation. Husbands sacrificially loving wives. Children radically obeying parents, saying no to themselves and yes to their authorities. And fathers not holding it over their heads, but lovingly guiding them. Help us to put on this new man at home. May we live that out by your grace this week. In Christ's name, amen. Would you sing with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost.